Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Today is from Luke 6, 1 through 11. On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any of, but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him? And he said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Uh, I, I, I want to suggest that we, we have a dicey relationship with rest, um, specifically Sabbath, but just more, more generally uh, rest. I, I shared with you guys, uh, I think it was last spring break, sort of our break, uh, you know, a break of school, a rest from work for us. We took the kids and went to like Western, some rural place in Western Kansas, but we had ice cream every day for like seven days in a row. That was an idyllic sort of form of rest for me. I, I don't know that it gets much better than that. I, have you guys, maybe you've seen that um, over the last couple of years, I think there's been chat about this. I think it's like a Danish sort of concept of like warmth and coziness sort of a simpler, uh, uh, restful way of life. I, 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 it's pronounced like hygge, 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 I don't know, H-Y-G-G-E. Have you, guys, have you guys heard this chat? It's kind of a thing, right? Like, like rest is sort of uh, equated to like coziness, to warmth, to this sort of uh, this experience of life where you kind of, you know, nestle down, if you will, and, and, and you create this environment of, of, of coziness. Now, I think probably the other end of that extreme, again, in recent years, uh, or rather most recently, the last couple of years, our relationship to rest has sort of has been um, affected by COVID. Uh, for, for many fortunate enough to, to be able to work from home, recognizing this hasn't been true for everyone, but for those fortunate enough to be able to work from home, uh, and chatting with many of you, one effect of that is the line between work and rest gets really blurry. You don't know where one starts and one stops, and they just sort of um, maybe more, it's more permeable, I guess, right? It just sort of bleeds left and right, and, uh, which creates its own sort of sets of complication. Uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, the experience is a little bit different. Again, maybe, maybe sort of our desire for coziness is a reaction to more recent years, the way we think about rest, this, this push to like some of the highest selling sort of uh, productivity apps were sleep apps, right? Like apps that were to sort of optimize our rest, right? This push that rest is no longer just rest. It's a tool for being more, even more efficient or productive uh, in the future. Uh, well, one headline of research for each additional, this is from about five years ago, for each additional 10 hours of vacation employees took, their year-end performance ratings improved by 8%. 
Like, thanks for ruining vacation, right? Now, now my rest is all about how productive I can be for you when I come back. It becomes a productivity tool, a, a widget, if you will, right, that sort of uh, improves our performance in life in any sphere. It's no longer just rest. It's kind of a, a prelude to work, right? This, uh, the appropriate rest uh, optimized sort of treats us like machines, right? Like we, we human, humans as machines, uh, rest becomes a space to hack, right? A life hack so that uh, we can improve our performance. Uh, it is, I think, you know, uh, it's an interesting relationship. Or uh, how many of you guys uh, more recently, last example, you guys have heard like chat about the Sunday scaries? Anyone? Yeah? Maybe you feel them. Right, this, this source that's kind of uh, uh, sort of self-reported and then in other spheres, uh, this description of, of anxiety rising on Sundays, Sunday afternoons in particular, as people anticipate the work week. And uh, uh, again, all sorts of thoughts there. I saw one sort of reflection on the Sunday scaries uh, that I thought was kind of interesting, sort of, sort of approaching it from the other side. What if the issue with the Sunday scaries, right, the sort of the, the, the relinquishment from work this day, no alarm clock, unless you're coming to Park City. Uh, no timelines, all, all those things gone. Well, what's left in that space is sort of all of the deeper questions of life bubble to the surface, like, like, am I happy with my job? Or why am I here? Or what am I really doing? That, that, that what happens in the space vacated for rest, well, then these deeper uh, existential, if you will, sort of questions. You guys are like, that's not my experience at all, Matt. Are you okay? <laughs> um, uh, which I think is interesting. So um, Victor Frankl, who, who wrote sort of a famous uh, book, Man's Search for Meaning, he, ca- he called it Sunday neurosis. Uh, the kind of depression which afflicts people who become aware of the lack of content in their lives when the rush of the busy week is over and the void within themselves becomes manifest. Talk about a Sabbath slogan. Sabbath, manifesting the void within, right? You're like, uh, man, Matt, you, you do have a tortured relationship with rest. We'll be praying for you. But all of that to illustrate, I think just generally as humans, our relationship to rest is somewhat problematic, um, contentious. But, but our reading this morning from Luke, as we've walked through the gospel, I think says to me a couple of things. But one thing it says to me is we're not the only ones. This isn't a new conversation for us. But, but, but in fact, in our reading in Luke 6, uh, as the struggle around rest and the human relationship to it narrows in focus and context, I think, I think it even intensifies in our reading under the weight of divine injunction. We already have a hard time with rest, but now in our reading, the Pharisees, Jesus, all that's going on, and there's like, well, well, well now we're operating under, under rest as a divine sort of God-ordered mandate. Talk about complicating a relationship, right? This, this uh, nuance, I think, uh, creates all sorts of its own uh, challenges. So the context, a bit of what's happening here, uh, it's actually two episodes Right On the Sabbath, the first paragraph we read, Rachel read for us, Jesus' disciples start eating on the Sabbath, plucking grain. And we won't get into the nuances of sort of the, the laws that may be at play here, but the Pharisees respond like, what, you know, what, what, what's, why, why eating here? So Jesus goes to an Old Testament example of David who himself uh, seemed to in some way, um, what's the word, interpret the laws uh, in a way that sort of helped his men uh, eat. And uh, Jesus responds with that beautiful line, the son of man is Lord 
of the Sabbath. And then there's a second episode. It feels like a separate story. It's all sort of uh, around a theme. But, but then in this moment, Jesus literally sort of opens the withered hand of a man on the Sabbath. And uh, the religious authorities are, are questioning, well, wait a second. So it becomes an issue, right? Through, through both of these episodes, it becomes a question of, of authority, right? Who has the right to interpret uh, what rest, the rest that God has commanded? Who has the right to interpret what that means? Uh, I, think, uh, I think when I read stories uh, like this one, Right, uh, if you're if you're like me, it's probably good if you're not. But if you happen to be like me, I read story. I think we read stories like this, and I, we just want to pile on the Pharisees, right? I'm like Jesus fed hungry people, literally opened the hand of of, of someone. His hand was withered, kind of restored him to life, and uh, thankfully Luke says some, not all. Some of the Pharisees were hung up on like the technicalities of Sabbath observance. And, and I think we read a story like this and we're just like, give me a break, right? Like, uh, really? <laughs> you know, like, uh, we, we, we just sort of, uh, we kind of view the story from sort of a third party, uh, kind of looking at it from the outside. And we're like, uh, this, this is just kind of ridiculous. Uh, what's going on? But I want to ask you, I want to invite you uh, into maybe a pause before we sort of start shaking our heads or our fingers at the Pharisees, right? Sort of secure in the comfort of our own well-adjusted and well-rested souls. Uh, I, I want to just, I want to invite us, just maybe think a, a, a little bit uh, about their position uh, as they push back on Jesus in this story. Let's try to maybe consider the, the question that really wants to bubble up in, in, in sort of you know, contempt, like how could they do this? What, what, what are they doing? How could they do this? Well, let's think about that question for a moment. Why the reaction? And my hope is that in doing so, maybe we'll have a bit of empathy uh, for them in this story. We, we've, already, we've already considered as we've walked through Luke the, the reality that Jesus seems to be playing fast and loose with, uh, with the boundaries Right, his, his initial sermon, again, he stands up and says, I'm announcing favor, grace, rest, if you will, jubilee, uh, a break from the oppression of life. I'm announcing all of that in me, and it will spill over outside of God's people to, like, the nations, essentially. Right, it, it will, it will, and so already sort of playing with the boundaries. We, we, we've seen in the last couple of weeks, uh, Jesus uh, hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, once again, sort of, uh, disrupting uh, the norms. Uh, last week, again, we didn't read this part, but a part of that conversation of Jesus being with tax collectors and sinners, the religious leaders are also like, hey, look, man, you guys are feasting and partying and John's disciples are fasting. I mean, this is sort of where we live. Like, what, what, what gives here? Jesus, again, uh, seeming to kind of, you know, blur those lines. He even claims to forgive sins, blurring all kinds of lines. In chapter 5, and, and we see already, we feel it. He's, he's, he's a threat to, 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 to the sort of norms of, of um, righteousness, if you will, like of the things that would identify them and mark them as God's people. He seems to sort of be a threat to kind of all these markers of sacredness, and, uh, and we get that. So then why, why when we come to the Sabbath, which is a point of contention over and over again in Luke and in all the Gospels, uh, when we come to the Sabbath, why such a vigilant 
and, and oftentimes violent, eventually violent defense of this particular religious practice. How could they do this? Well, I want to suggest to you this morning that, uh, that they were adamant about it, Sabbath keeping in particular, because it was essential to, it was, it was essential to their identity as the people of God because of its, of its history. Right, we, I think uh, we think um, we think of Sabbath, and we probably go back to like Genesis, uh, where you know God created the world six days, He rested, and so there's this built-in rhythm of rest. I mean, that's generally sort of where we go. But for the people of Israel, um, the Sabbath was a gift that that had kind of actually birthed them as as a as a nation. Right, it, it's associated with Egypt and exile. God brings them out of Egypt, out of slavery. They're in the desert. He gives them Mount Sinai. He gives them the commandments. And wrapped up in all of that is this command to remember the Sabbath. But the link is explicit, uh, actually. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And and what's made explicit there, uh, again, in the history of the people of God, is that God's command to stop working, right, rest, is is, is a reminder, it's it's linked, that they've been freed from slavery. They've been freed from a, a time and a place, their identity as Egyptian slaves, where they did not have the choice whether or not they could cease their work. God's command to stop is, uh, is then rooted in this movement and, and, and in their history. A, a, a divine gift, a designation of a human right that, that, they, that they are not property uh, to be um, uh, manipulated, to be used, to be optimized for labor and production. They are gifted this, this, this gift of identity that they are in the image of God and they are gifted rest, the command to remember the Sabbath tied to this moment in which God works freedom and marks them uh, as his people. It's not a rest that they earned. It's a, a rest that they were, they were given. They didn't have to be productive six days of work uh, during the work week with enough hours and enough production and thereby earn the rest that was given to them. No, it's this gift that God said he worked on their behalf as he set them free from the systems of the world that would, that would uh, convey a different uh, priority to them. I mean, even the cows, right? Even the cows in Deuteronomy are to be given rest, right? It is this gracious gift of life. I don't think we have to think too hard about all the ways we have misconstrued or broken or misapplied uh, this movement in the direction of the heart of God, this gift of Sabbath. It was, even for Israel, in the story of God's people, it was grace, right? It was a gift, it was a gift. Right, a, a rhythm, a weekly practice that helps them to remember we are God's people. We don't belong to anyone else. We are, are not some property to be manipulated. We are the people of God. And in the context of that history, who wouldn't be vigilant? Right, who, who wouldn't uh, want to, with everything they had, guard and protect this particular aspect of what it means to be the people of God. So the question is then, what happens? How do we get from that to this, to what we read this morning, to Jesus opening a withered hand 
And somehow in that saying, wait, 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 right? We've, we've broken the Sabbath. What, what happens? I think maybe another way to phrase the question is, is how did rest turn into work? Right? How, how, did, how did rest, God's gift, his gracious gift of, of life and rest turn into work? It's a staggering, I think, flip. You know, the Pharisees in seeking to guard, in seeking to, to guard the very, uh, the very rest of God had turned it into the thing they were trying to keep it from becoming, right? right this, this, this reminder that God had freed them from the oppression of that kind of work that they were marked as his people. And in their effort to protect that, they turned it into that very kind of oppressive work. Betrayed the thing they set out to protect adamant so adamant about resting on the sabbath that they had turned it into hard work i think when we think about that move in this context the question like how how could they do this makes a little bit more sense because i think i think we do it too i i, I think we do it too i, I think that pull to sort of guard and protect the things we know to be sacred, reminders of freedom and grace, all those things. We, 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 we put up all kinds of walls because we have to protect those things. And, and inevitably, the pull of the human heart turns God's rest into work. It, it wasn't, if you will, sort of beneath the current here. It's not, it's, this is not just about rest. It's not about vacation. It's not about hugue, hugue, hugue. I don't know. It's not about coziness. Right? It is about all those things. It's specific in this context about religious observance of the Sabbath. But, but underneath all of that is, is, is Jesus sort of shining some light on the tendency in all of us that even in rest, man, we find ways to work out our own righteousness. We find ways to, to sort of put ourselves at the center and, and make it about our work to take this gracious gift of God and, and turn it into work. It's what we do given enough time, we will inevitably make it about us, about our righteousness, our productivity, our efficiency. We will make it about ourselves. We will build our own walls to protect and guard what we know to be important and sacred. And over time, the same sort of transition and move will happen. The gift that God designed for rest, we will turn into work. We'll turn it into work. And it's into that environment that Jesus walks in and lets his disciples eat, right? Uh, lets them take uh, corn, uh, pluck corn on the Sabbath. It's into that environment that Jesus, in the synagogue, in the place of like rest, God's expression of his presence to his people in the world, that Jesus opens the hand of a withered man and breathes rest and life physically into, into his body. Jesus walks in. And says, you guys, have, uh, you guys have sort of got things the wrong way around. Let me help you put this right. Jesus walks into your life and mine, into the pages of the New Testament, and says, I want to remind you that my work, God's work, is your rest. Right? Jesus walks in, sort of, I, I mean, the imagery here is kind of a swashbuckling like Sabbath breaker. This is the way it reads, the way it feels to me. He comes in, like, uh, breaking the Sabbath rules, it seems, and saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, right? There's a new sheriff in town, right? I, I don't know. That's not what happened, but uh, that's a gross misrepresentation of the gospel. Just 
please uh, know that, all right? Um, but he does sort of, he, he walks in and seems to, right, like skirt all of these norms and practices that had built up around uh, what had been such a gracious gift. And he does that for you and me. In fact, this phrase, right, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, at the heart of these stories. It's part of a larger phrase. Mark's gospel gives us the whole expression, the Sabbath wasn't made for man. Man was made for God's rest. Right, man was made to step into and experience the life that God so graciously gives and gifts. And so Jesus picks that up again. He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And as the Lord of the Sabbath, I'm going to work God's good. Phrases in this reading here, to do good. He says, what's better? To do good, to save life. To do good, to save life. In other words, Jesus says, God's rest is really about me. I, I, I am his rest for a wrecked and broken world. Yeah, kids, right? Right on. Uh, I, Jesus says, he's reorienting all of this practice, which again, I could understand the resistance, right? Like he's reorienting it around me. He says, I am God's rest and I will show you. And he opens a withered hand. I am God's rest for a wrecked and broken world. I've been reading uh, some of uh, Eugene Peterson, pastor who passed away in the last year or so, uh, some of his correspondence to his congregation, pastor church on the East Coast. And uh, uh, one of his phrases this week, he's kind of writing, uh, I thought had some resonance with this feeling. Uh, interesting, you know, however many years ago he wrote it, I'm like, it just reads, uh, it still has traction. The sheer volume and quality of wreckage in the world and culture around us are appalling. Wrecked bodies, wrecked marriages, wrecked careers, wrecked plans, families, alliances, friendships. We could add to that list wrecked, wrecked expectations, wrecked nations, all these kinds of things, right? It's like, this, this is everywhere. Like, this is a feeling that we know. And when I read a story like we read this morning, I see Jesus step into the middle of all that mess. All my efforts to sort of shield myself from all that brokenness, to build my own sort of, uh, I know rest is a thing, so I, I, you know, all of my efforts to con construe or manufacture that, manufacture that, Jesus walks into the middle of all that and says, I am God's rest for a broken world, a broken world that includes your broken life. I'm restoring the world. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to bring God's rest to the world and to your life as well. I think this is where we find the hope of the gospel that even, even in our misguided attempts at rest, when we're prone to make it about our own righteousness, Jesus says, let me just stop you right there. This isn't about you. It's about me. It's about my righteousness. And, and the markers, uh, we, we want to make about the markers of our identity, uh, all those kinds of things. We, we think that's what makes the difference. Jesus says, again, let me stop you. No, it's, it's, it's my righteousness, my identity that makes uh, the difference. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the center and I work God's good grace and favor in the world. Rest, he says, uh, to, to quote St. Augustine, that bishop in North Africa, he says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. Again, in this story of the Sabbath, we want to make about all the rules, all the ways in which we have to keep it. And Jesus interrupts all of that and says, I, I am rest for your wrecked world. Um, I, uh, I mentioned, uh, ice cream 
like last spring break every day. I think I did a 14-day stretch, which I'm really proud of. But uh, now you know why I'm a runner. <laughs> but uh, uh, lest you think all of our ice cream outings are so Sabbathy, right? Let me let me tell you about another. Uh, let me tell you about another ice cream venture that we had this week. Well, after dinner, snowing outside, every day is a good day for ice cream. Let's go. Let's go get ice cream. The girls are like, yeah, you know, like that's right. We're gonna create Sabbath for our family, right? I didn't tell them that, but that's what I was thinking, right? Uh, here we go, right? So we we set off. I, I I don't want to disparage, but we went to Sonic, and uh, I know COVID has been hard on all sorts of places, and Sonic is one of them. Hours are different, staffing is hard, and I knew that, so my expectations were low. But we they were we they were open, and we went, and I pulled up, and I pushed the button. And I waited, and I pushed the button, and I waited, and then finally they said, you have to go through the drive-thru. And I said, that's okay. I love ice cream, right? So we backed out, and then we went around through the drive-thru, and I waited, and we would take your order, and I ordered my ice cream, and what do you think they said? Our machine is broken, right? Again, I said, that's all right, man. I am building Sabbath for my family, <laughs> right? Like, we will do this. And so we went to a different location, as you do, right, for ice cream. And uh, we, we, we pulled in. And uh, all the lights were off. And there was an audible, like, groan from the back seat in the darkness of my car. And uh, uh, just an audible, like, like we will rest, right? Um, and so we, we kind of pulled around, and I think there were some workers kind of hanging out outside, but uh, everything was off. Like, well, you know, we'll, we'll just hop next door to Chick-fil-A. And the audible groan turned into like, uh, like the children of Israel in the wilderness. We've had, we've had this before, right? Like, we don't want this ice cream. And I'm like, you will be thankful. This is our Sabbath, right? Be more restful, right? Uh, so we went through Chick-fil-A and uh, we, we got our ice cream. And we're pulling out and all the sonic lights are back on. Boom. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, whatever level of discontent was in our car, it was exponentially intensified, right? And uh, one of my children, I'm like, so how's your ice cream? Uh, and uh, we're pulling out. She's like, it tastes like disappointment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like, oh, that's great. No, that was not great, right? I said, I'm in my heart, right? This is ludicrous, but I'm like, I'm working really hard to create, right? Like an experience of rest and joy and respite for us as a family. I'm giving you ice cream. You will be thankful. That's I'm exaggerating only slightly, <laughs> right? The tension in our car remained. We got to the garage. Everyone was unhappy with their ice cream except for me. And uh, most of the kids or Justin, one of the kids got out and one of them stayed in the car and we had an altercation that ended in tears, and so she goes inside, and Jess is trying to make peace, trying to create Sabbath in our home that I have terribly disrupted, and uh, I just think, I wonder if all of our attempts uh, to build and manufacture rest on our own terms don't leave us with the same feeling. It tastes like disappointment, and if Jesus is watching us, Right, and all, all of our effort and work in our wrecked, uh, wretchedness, right, it, not downplaying any of that in the midst of all that, trying to build our own sense of rest and respite. If all the while Jesus is watching, he said, I know that tastes 
like disappointment. I have come to give you rest. I've come to turn your work. Uh, so you can lay that down so, so that y- you will know, right? All of your efforts to kind of turn my rest into your work. He's like, no, 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 let me, let me stop you there. The work is mine. The rest, the rest is, is yours. And I think that's the invitation for you and me this morning. Whatever sort of, we may, uh, whatever sort of wrecked space you may bring into this conversation with Jesus. Maybe trying to prop up for really, really, really good reasons. Your own sense of history and rest and Sabbath. Maybe just a wash in your brokenness. Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, walks into your life and says, I am here to work the rest of God for you. I want to invite you. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.